welcome, welcome, welcome into the Smash Mouth Football Podcast. It is I, your host, Gavin, here with Chris and Connor Green. How's it going, fellas? I'm doing good. Uh, you know, uh, probably, a lot better than, probably a lot better than Connor is, but, you know, I'm doing good. Connor and Gavin, you know, both of us had a rough uh, last yeah. week. Yeah. Don't want to talk about it, though. Fantasy Let's football related. Let's just not. Yeah, that's all we're going to yeah. say. I mean, all three of us are sad, but like I said, like now it's confirmed, but like it's all for three very different reasons, but yeah, all uh, not doing great. Yeah, fantasy football is is a bitch, but well, uh, I thought there was no way through. that you were not going to win, Connor. Let me be yeah, honest. I did too, and I thought you may have been able to come back with Jamar Chase, but yeah. Uh, context, uh, Gavin yeah, here came in last place in our. Remember when uh, we said our... we didn't want to talk about it? It's okay. We can give context or context. We're not just talking about random shit. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I I mean, for, yeah. We kind of we kind of went too deep into it to just be like, yeah, we're sad, and then people are gonna be like, why are they sad? Like, you got yeah, kind of just talk about it. Uh, but uh, context. Uh, Gavin just came in last place for our league, second year in a row. Not because he drafted poorly whatsoever, but his entire team literally went down. Like, and when I say his entire team, I'm talking like what Five both players. Start- yeah, five five players to the starting lineup. Uh, Connor just came in second place in our league for the third straight year. Uh, so not great. All he needed was Nick Chubb to get 8.3 points, was it, Con? 8.6 points, uh, PPR format. And it all really came down to the one-yard line last night where the Browns brought Chubb in. Uh, goal line formation looked like it was going to be a run. And play action and they pass it to was it was it hooper or was it like a backup tight end i think it was a backup tight end wasn't it i just blurred i blurred out after that play i was just yeah yeah he ended up with 5.8 yeah so and so this is now the third year in a row connor has come in second place in our league and i think his name is cemented as buffalo bill um i'm, no, I'm gonna change my name to a different pun next year i feel like i just gotta get the right pun and it'll like wide right, is that gonna be your name? Well, it'd be fair. I mean, he needs one. He needs one more second place finish because the Bills went four in a row. They went four. I gotta in work in. I feel like I gotta work in Norwood somehow. I'll yeah, of, yeah. I'll it. I mean, but like after the Bill, the Bills probably like you know it can't happen four times in a row, right? <laughs> uh, and Gavin, you're coming up on your second straight. Uh, last I place am. Finish, so. I am. It's it's awful. And then Chris has multiple. Finish, like first place finishes in the regular season and then and most points and then that's what not. i meant by first yeah, yeah, yeah most points and then uh, a relatively quick burnout in the in the postseason yeah. courtesy yeah. of me this year but you know didn't end up working out for me, it was courtesy either, so. me one year and then connor this year and then you know it's just it's so we hope it's a we hope everybody listening had uh, had better finishes than us all. I did w- I did win in a separate league, so that was cool, but it wasn't for as much money. But I don't, I don't I'm not going to talk go into that much. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's going it's going away. Yeah. So uh, I have to eat spicy hot wings. So that's that's my punishment this year. Um, not as bad as the Waffle House last year, but yeah, like you said, we'll, we'll get into this. Um, let's. I guess let's just start with the drama first. So for those of you who don't know, don't know how you wouldn't, um, the Buccaneers were losing um, 
by what, 14 points to the Jets, which, you know, that was that was surprising to say the least. And um, randomly, you just kind of see on the sideline Antonio Brown start to like get a little visibly upset, starts trying to take his pads off. Mike Evans tries to convince him not to. Um, ends up taking all of his pads off, throwing them on the ground, taking off his undershirt, throwing his undershirt into the stands, taking off his gloves, throwing them both into the stands, walking into the end zone, jumping up and down, and then just throws up a peace sign and fucking walks out of the tunnel and leaves the stadium in like the middle of the game. Pulled a full on Vontae Davis, but like way more diva. Um, so you know, after the post game was over, Bruce Arians was kind of just like, yep, he's no longer a buck. Let's just not talk about it. We're done. We're through. So um, this dude is a certified Looney Tune. I don't know what. Because like, I mean, he's always been kind of a prima donna, even coming out of college. He had like the prima donna tag on him, even in his like, you know, his scouting report was like off field issues. You know, he's kind of a diva, blah, blah, blah. And in Pittsburgh, you kind of saw flashes of it, you know, being upset he wasn't getting the ball enough, blah, 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 blah. But ever since he got cut by the Steelers, it's just been exponentially worse. It's just been like, you know, the Raiders fiasco where he like, you know, started making rap songs and like, you know, he was almost refusing. He almost retired because of the helmet debacle where he wanted to wear a certain helmet and Roger Goodell wouldn't let him and then there was ice bath where he almost froze his toes off and then he called John Gruden racist which you know he bat he you know he was kind of right on that one um then he left went to the Patriots got kicked off the Patriots and then now he you know then he well anyways it, now the Bucks gave him one last chance he fucked up again do you guys see him playing on another team like ever again oh and not to mention the whole he got tried to get traded to the Bills or they they the Steelers tried to trade him to the Bills and then he just said no and refused to go. So what reason would another team other than pure desperation would another team have to sign this dude? I mean, well, for one thing, I, I would say like a playoff team, like maybe just maybe the Cowboys who have a history of picking up players like this, who they did just happen to lose Michael Gallup to an ACL and tear. Uh, maybe they see the struggles that Dak has had lately. Maybe they would take a chance on him. I have no idea. All I know is Josina a Anderson, she did just tweet out recently that she says she knows that uh, that teams would be willing to take a chance on Antonio Brown, uh, I guess, because I mean, when he played this year, in the games he played, he was their number one receiver. It wasn't Chris Godwin. It wasn't Mike Evans. It was Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown looked like a top 10 receiver today, not not like saying like, oh, Antonio Brown a few years ago, he's a top 10 wide receiver. Th this year, when he was on the field, he was legitimately one of the be better receivers in the NFL. So is he worth it to me? No, I I, I, I would say no. This isn't like a T.O. or like OBJ or whatever. Like the, the, all the other bullshit uh, diva labels that we've given to some wide receivers that you can try and justify the label any each way, but for AB, he's the only guy that I've seen where it's just like there is no if, ends, or but. Plus, he's he's just a diva. There's nothing there's nothing to argue about. He's now quit on his third team. He quit on the Steelers in Week 17 in his final year there, where they still had playoff ramifications. He quit on the Raiders. Uh, 
Well, I'm not going to count them because he technically wasn't ever a Bill, technically. But uh, <laughs> yeah, technically true. speaking. Uh, and he's quitting now on Tampa Bay, who has Super Bowl aspirations. And he was 100% going to be like, a top, he was going to get his target. So I don't understand what he's doing. And not to mention getting booted off the Patriots because of the, the assault allegations. So yeah, he's, he's just like, you know, I, I get the argument where people are like, don't assume something like what he's going through. I don't think people understand that when they say that, it's just like we're we're just enabling the guy. Like the guy has multiple assault assault accusations. He doesn't pay the people that he hires. He has sexual person. assault allegations. Yeah. He lied about his vaccination person. status. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it may be the case that we don't know what he's going through, but that doesn't. That's not a crutch. You don't just get to say this guy can do whatever the fuck he wants just because he has some CTE or whatever we think it is. So it's like, it's not excusable behavior. I mean, at a certain point, accountability, you got to take accountability. So um, con, would you, uh, would you want the Cowboys to pull like a Greg Hardy and, and, and sign this dude? No, um, we sell CD lamb, Amari Cooper, Dalton Schultz. I think the Cowboys are fine when it comes to weapons. And your boy Cedric Wilson, give him some props. We got Cedric Wilson too. And Malik Turner, not pretty good depth piece. He had a really nice play a couple weeks ago in garbage time against the Washington football team. He had a nice touchdown. But I I just wanted to, I guess, uh, read an update from Twitter. I sent this to the group chat. For the second straight day, wide receiver Antonio Brown did not show up on today's NFL wire, meaning the Buccaneers still hold his rights. For a source that's according to Adam Schefter. So maybe take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. But do you guys think there's any chance Bruce Arians walks back, you know, his kind of pretty sweeping uh, and very definitive statement where he said Antonio Brown is not a Buccaneer anymore? I think there's any chance he stays in the Bucks and they give him another chance? Now, I don't know the technical aspects of this, but maybe it's like the Bucks are going to try to hold on to him for as long as they can so he can't like get on another NFC contender and then play against them. So maybe like, I don't know how, I don't know how much of an advantage that gives them or what, what kind of, you know, added that would provide, but maybe that's it. They just, he just doesn't want to give him to another contender like any sooner than he has to, but I doubt he plays another game in a Buccaneers uniform. I don't My so. question. Tom Brady had very sympathetic uh, words for him, which was good, like from a human level. And I mean, at the end of the day, like, yeah, he's been accused and he's done a lot of really bad stuff. But, you know, if he does have mental health issues, you do hope he gets the help he needs. I hope he gets going the back to, Yeah, going back to football would not be a good idea. Like, if he has CTE, which some people are speculating, the last thing he needs to do is go back to the NFL. Fuck, do what Calvin Ridley oh. did. Just step away. No one's going to fucking judge you. I mean, just step away. Well, not, not no one, but nor good people are going to judge you like just if you need to take time or just go a get away from football dude your mental health is more important than this your men like your overall bodily health the rest of your life is much more important than finishing out a career you're already in your 30s like and you're obviously not doing well so yeah it, it it's nobody's going to judge him for like having mental health issues like if you're gonna if you're gonna act the way that you're acting that's when like that's when people are going to judge you obviously but you know he if he needs help he needs to step away right away but with that said in terms of like what the buccaneers are doing do i think there's a chance he can come back i mean do we, do we see the receivers that uh brady was throwing to this past week i mean i i i wouldn't be shocked godwin's out obviously 
Uh, Scotty Miller has been like in and out of the lineup this year because of injuries. I don't even know if he's playing right now, to be honest. Uh, and Mike Evans, he hurt his hamstring just two weeks ago. So would I be shocked if he came back? Absolutely not. I personally agree with Gavin. I don't think he's coming back. I think this is more of just a formality to where they're just trying to hold him and make sure that a contender uh, doesn't get him. But I don't like can't they suspend him? Like, I, I don't understand, like, why they can't just do because you're allowed to suspend your own players. But then can not just leave? I mean, can he just just leave the team? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how the contract works, but I guess they still is, have the rights to him until. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. I, I think they can suspend him up to a certain point, like. Is obviously they can't just hold him and keep him out of the facility forever. Like if he tries and comes back, try, tries to come back, and they refuse him without suspending him, then they have to cut him because you're not allowed to just withhold somebody from coming into the facility per the CBA. Uh, but I don't see why they don't just like they're wanting to keep him so other teams don't get him. Why can't you suspend him? Because they they have reasonable rights to actually suspend him. Like he. He walked away from the team during a game. And the vaccine so card thing, the lying about his vaccination status. Also well, he was even, though, even though they kind of defended that. But. Well, he got he got suspended by the league for that, so I don't think they can also uh, suspend him for that. Yeah. So, someone made a good point. I don't know if you guys agree with this, but like, at a certain point, why do you think this is the breaking point? So whenever you you're you know you're letting go um, sexual assault allegations. You're letting go, you know, faking your vaccine vaccine status. You're you know, letting go just all this diva shit, all, all this multiple records of just fucking over past teams. You're letting all of that go. But then this is the breaking point. And it's like, I think people made a good point. It's like coaches and owners are willing to let go of a lot of shit if it means you're going to produce well on the field and play well for your team. And the reason why this is the breaking point is because he walked off the field showing that he's not reliable to play and produce for the team. Like that's why this is the breaking point, which is kind of yeah. shitty. Well, and it was like, caught on camera. It was like broadcast to like a, a large audience. Yeah, the other thing that's what like, I was going to say too. Like, would any of us be shocked? Like if this happened at halftime, say, and like AB was like, Oh, my ankle hurts. And, uh, and Bruce Aaron is like, well, you're not playing then. And, you know, the whole thing back and forth happened and he just didn't come out for halftime. And Bruce Arians was able to just be like, oh, he's out because his ankle's hurting. And nobody knew about this spill out. Nobody knew AB left the stadium. Would he be cut? Would we even know about this story? I think the fact is that they embarrassed, embarrassed the team. The team yeah. And he walked, he gave everybody like, he gave everybody evidence of him literally walking out on all of his teammates and his coaches. I think that's really the, the fucked up thing is that he's done so much wrong to legitimately be suspended from the league indefinitely and just be banned from the league. But yet this is the breaking point. And the reason being is because we have it on film. It's like the Ray Rice thing. If Ray Rice just happened to hit his girlfriend and it not be on film, he would have still played that season. The, the NFL doesn't give a shit if you're actually a bad person. They care if you produce. Yeah. Yep, I agree. All right, so let's maybe move on to a more positive note. So um, recently, 
you know, we, we've talked about Joe Burrow in the past a few times, you know, mentioned, you know, well, obviously everyone's seen how well he's played the last two games, especially um, just beat, you know, the chiefs who have been on fire recently. And like, we've been saying like they're back and, you know, the Bengals just won in a shootout. And this is now the second week in a row. Like so Joe Burrow in the last two weeks has thrown for like 900 yards, like eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, like absolutely ridiculous stat line. Uh, you know, with the help of Jamar Chase and T. Higgins having just monster games as well. Um, so my question to you guys is, you know, given the recent explosion of Joe Burrow and the overall like decline a little bit, not dec- not oh, like. OK, so there's been a general decline of the other young quarterbacks, you know, obviously Deshaun Watson. We'll talk about him. He's not really in the picture right now, but like Lamar Jackson has declined um, at least this season. Um, a little bit at the beginning of last season as well. We've seen his like overall, you know, he's not going to be the peak 2019 Lamar always. Then, you know, Josh Allen this year has been, you know, off and on. He's still shown. He's still like been, he's still been great. Like this last week and le- week before he's been great, but he's also had slumps. Um, where are we ranking Joe Burrow in terms of if you could have one quarterback on your team right now for the next 10 years, which I know that's a long time. So you're going to favor young quarterbacks. Um, that's kind of the point here. Which quarterbacks would you take over Joe Burrow? Justin Herbert, right? Like he's the one, I think, obvious answer. And then after and that, it might even be debatable at this point, but I would, I would that's, say Justin de- Herbert. That's definitely debatable. And I personally don't know. I mean, it's very tough because when you look at their numbers right now, they are literally like they are neck and neck. Like you're talking about yardage. Joe Burrow is 4,611. Justin Herbert is 4,631. You talk about touchdowns. Joe Burrow is 34 passing touchdowns. Herbert is 35. Interceptions, they both have 14. Uh, completion percentage, Joe Burrow's got 70.4 completion percentage. Justin Herbert's got 67.3. Joe Burrow also has an 8.9 yards per attempt, which is leading the league. Justin Herbert is 7.6. Like, the only reason why you would pick Herbert over Burrow, in my opinion, is that Herbert just has the like livelier arm. There's nothing necessarily else to say that Herbert's the better quarterback right now. Is he a little more mobile too? I'm pretty sure. I don't know about his rushing stats, but I'm pretty sure generally he's a little more mobile. But uh, I I think that's tough only because Joe Burrow last year was more mobile than he was this year, and Joe Burrow coming off of an ACL tear, it's kind of tough. But I believe just from what i'm remember i believe joe uh justin herbert is more mobile but i could be wrong yeah i'm pretty sure herbert's more mobile too and i think i'd also take patrick mahomes still i'd say mahomes and herbert would be two i'd take over burrow i don't i think there's an argument for josh allen i'm a big josh allen fan i'd probably take josh allen over him i know you guys would probably disagree but those would probably be my three three kind of what wait kind of just explain the herbert one like why herbert well, I think Herbert, if you look at his, like, career, I mean, not just – obviously, like, what was it, the first eight games last year before Joe Burrow got hurt, Herbert was outplaying him um, by a decent margin. Herbert had arguably, I think, probably, if not the most impressive rookie season from a quarterback, like a top two or three rookie quarterback season in NFL history. And then this year, they're kind of neck and neck. Um, Burrow's probably been a bit better this year. Um, I think Herbert – I, as Gavin said, a little bit livelier an arm, a little bit better arm, a little Chris bit more mobile. 
Chris said that. Yeah. I had a 50 50 shot there and I just, you know, <laughs> I said the legs, Chris said the arm. So, said the legs and the arm. yeah. So, you know. But the, okay, but here's the thing: they they didn't have that. Well, he's far also off. he's also he hasn't had it with a torn MCL and ACL, so like early injury factors as well. You know, Herbert's been healthier. What do you think? So last year they were neck and neck last year too, even though the box score statistics weren't necessarily saying that they were very close in grade in completion percentage, over expectation EPA composite. Herbert was 17th, Burrow was 19th, and they were off by point. Oh, oh, four. I think, like, honestly, it was like the reason why the perception was that Herbert like had a really great season, which he did. He had a great rookie season. And granted, it's hard to judge Burrow because you know he was injured half the year. But they almost had exact opposite in terms of production. So Justin Herbert like got all of his production by like launching sixty yard bombs like on third down, shit like that. Like he he had absolute cannon. But the rest of the downs, like you know whatever or not under pressure he wasn't spectacular now joe burrow on the other hand could not complete a deep pass to literally save his life like he completed maybe one or two uh and that i don't even know if he did that so um he so they kind of like they both were producing at the same level but joe burrow with like a lot of short stuff and intermediate stuff and justin herbert with like bombs um this year though joe burrow has clearly progressed because he's unlocked a part of his game that we just he didn't have last year. And whether that's because of Jamar Chase or he's, you know, just gotten used to the speed of the game and he's playing the game that he was at LSU, also a Jamar Chase, which, you know, whatever. But um, he, there's very clearly a new element to his game that's just, I mean, unlocked so much for this offense. So, you know, and, and granted, Justin Herbert is he's also increased his productivity too and he's also playing better um but it's just the the step that joe burrow's taken and especially these last two weeks you know i i don't i don't think you can make a definitive argument maybe for either one um but i personally would probably take joe burrow just because of like the leap that he's taken kind of like the same reason why josh allen like everyone was talking about josh allen because like that was a huge leap too but i don't know i mean obviously patrick mahomes I didn't really think to talk about him because he's just kind of like a name that he's just like the number one always. So um, I was thinking more in terms of like quarterbacks we're not so sure about yet, which have been like Lamar, you know, Josh Allen. It was Baker Mayfield until now, but we'll we'll get to that later. Um, so, Chris, would you take would you because I, I know I know Connor said that he would. Would you take Joe Burrow over Josh Allen at this point for the next 10 years? Over Josh Allen, yes, definitely. Okay. Absolutely. I, I And it's not necessarily like anything with Josh Allen. I think it's just more of how good Joe Burrow's become. Like, like Josh Allen, like overall, he's had a very good year. But as you've seen, like he's had the ups and downs and inconsistencies. Whereas like Joe Burrow, like the dude's about to set a, set a record for completion percentage on uh, intermediate throws. Like he's like he and as you mentioned, like he's unlocked the deep ball uh, this year. He has the most 20-yard-plus touchdown passes in the NFL. Like, There's not a part of the field in which he is missing. He's He is one of the more accurate passers in the NFL right now, and you just see the leadership, the how poised he is in the pocket. He's just 
I don't know, he's playing at a different level right now, and he has been for the majority of the year. The only thing that's really held him back has been, like, Zach Taylor going, oh, we're going to rush at the fucking Joe Mixon 30 times this game for no inexplicable reason. So, like, Joe Burrow, I think the only two quarterbacks that I'm legitimately, like, contemplating, and one of them's a definite, I'm taking Mahomes over him, and the only other person I'm thinking is uh, is Herbert. And I lean Would Kyler Murray right even factor into that discussion? He would if he was healthy, but the problem is, is that he's, he's been too, I don't want to say injury prone, because I think injuries are, he should have muted himself. Once I'm just going to stop talking until, once I can I mute him. I can. Okay, cool. Nice. All right. Uh, starting again here. Uh, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray would be in the discussion if he just, you know, you brought it up with like Burrow and like the ACL injury. It's like, it's a fair argument, but like, that was also like a one-time injury, right? Kyler Murray's now been hurt in, I believe every year he's had with some, like something, uh, it doesn't, I don't believe he missed any games his rookie year, but I believe he was injured. I can't really remember, but I know for a fact he was injured last year of his shoulder. He got hurt again this year with his ankle, uh, you know, it's I, he's not injury prone. Just his style of play is so much more conducive to getting hurt. To where I would rather have a guy who one is producing better than Kyler Murray this year, not overall for their careers, but this year, I would rather have the guy who I can depend on to play from the pocket, play within structure, and play at a very very high level than a guy who might get hurt and then come back and struggle from in, uh, from injury. Yeah, I mean, I would take Joe Burrow over Kyler Murray, too. I, I just want to do a quick argument for Josh Allen, real quick. Um, you know, past two seasons, he's responsible for 85 touchdowns, which is just insane. And he's rushed for 1,100 yards, so on top of the fact that he is a obviously a very good passer, and he was a great passer last year, he also brings, you know, an element with his legs that Joe Burrow doesn't, you know, really bring to the table on the same to the same extent and the same thing is true about justin herbert i would i think i would take herbert over burrow would kind of be a coin flip allen over burrow would be a coin flip but i'd probably lean allen too and then i would obviously take patrick mahomes over uh burrow but that's that's probably it um i would take him over Kyler murray i'd take him over like i i mean mac jones i guess we should shout out mac jones who's having the best rookie season of all of, you know this rookie class, but you know, I think those are really the only three guys who really and then Kyler Murray we talked about a little bit, and I don't think it would be crazy to take Kyler Murray over. Uh, no, Kyler. I don't. I don't think so either. Yeah, and then would you, I mean, which yeah, sorry, you Lamar Jackson might be, I guess, worth talking about as well. Uh, I wouldn't take Lamar Jackson over Joe Burrow, but you know, seeing his highs. Yeah, that what we saw out of him in 2019 when he was the MVP. I could definitely see an argument for taking Lamar Jackson. I think it'd be hard to do over the next 10 years because you know, when you when when you're like running the football and putting your body in the in the line of fire like Jackson is, probably going to suffer more injuries. But but even if you're not like taking hits, discussion. You know, like even if you're not taking hits, it's still like your legs are generally going to degrade over time. So like yeah, Lamar's not. And Lamar's he'll he'll still be mobile. I mean like Cam. It's not a perfect example, but like Cam is still mobile at age 33 or whatever he is, 32. Um, 
but he's not the same kind of runner Lamar is. Lamar is very much like the agility and you know whatever likes. But Vic was still was still able to move when he was in this, in his thirties too. So I mean, he'll still have the speed, but he's not going to be like having the highlight breaking ankles, making people look embarrassed, like all that shit. So when you take that away, it's like in ten years, what is Lamar going to look like as a quarterback? Because I we I think we also got to stop pretending like Lamar even deserves to be in this conversation. To be honest, like yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm very. I'm very high on Lamar. Don't get me wrong. It's just like, at what point are we going to get any sort of consistency in the passing game? And granted, I want to see him with a different offensive coordinator because Greg Roman's just not it in terms of like being a passing game coordinator. Uh, but I mean, since his like last year, like it was like last year, the first eight weeks of the season, we were debating Kyler Murray versus Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson, and I think most of us said Kyler Murray because at least Kyler Murray at least showed showed that he can be a high volume passer, and Lamar couldn't. And then the second half of the season, Lamar was much better, and then this half this year it was the opposite. The first half of the year was very very good, and we were very excited about the prospects of Lamar Jackson moving forward, and then he started to drop off and drop off, and then he got hurt again. So it's like, at what point, like, are we going to just say, like, Lamar just might be what he is. He just might be, like, he's a high, high-variance passer who his highs are very awesome. But if you're going to pick a quarterback for the next 10 years, you're going to want a guy who's been consistent. And Joe Burrow has been extremely consistent this year. Justin Herbert's been extremely consistent this year. Josh Allen, though he's been inconsistent, Overall, I'm gonna I'm taking him like ten times out of ten over Lamar Jackson as a passer. Like Josh Allen is a good passer for the most part. Uh, you know, when are we going to say that Lamar Jackson just flat out just hasn't been it outside of his outside of his MVP year? And it hurts say- me to say is I I love Lamar. I think Lamar is yeah. an excellent prospect, but the, like we're kind of like we're this is year four now, correct? And he three out of the four, he's been very underwhelming as a passer. Well, and last year is kind of the tale of two halves, right? Like, was it the first half of last year he struggled and the second half he kind of turned it on? Yeah, like, so, and like yeah. I said, it's the same this year. Like, first half of this year was awesome. Second half yeah. this year, not so good. And some of that this year, I think, was Ravens had a lot of injuries. I mean, I know a lot of teams were dealing with injuries, but the Ravens in particular were hit pretty hard with the injury bug. Both yeah, early injury, on injuries, and injuries, yeah, like injuries to the secondary shouldn't stop you from being well. Not pass. the secondary. I mean, they're on their fifth string running back, and I mean Rashad Bateman missed the first month of the season. Yeah, but month. still, like having Devontae Freeman as your running back, like granted, I mean it probably has some kind of effect, but I don't think it. It's not going to bring you from an MVP candidate down to what like the what's Lamar like if you were to rank Lamar as far as a passer, like he's what like the twentieth like early 20s in terms of passer. But if you really just a quarterback, he's probably like, what, 13, 12 at this point? Yeah, it's just just, yeah. just a blind estimation in my head. Yeah, that's probably where I would have him. And then just talking about just like, like, you know, we'll take it for what you will. I guess some people might not like PFF, but take it for what you will. Just this year, Omar Jackson, he is the 24th ranked passer, just passing grade, 24th. So exactly what you would estimate him pretty much in the 20s as strictly a passer. Yeah. He's is hasn't he hasn't been good. And it's it's since the Colts game, the primetime Colts game, he just hasn't he hasn't been good, which, you know, uh, granted, uh, there has been and he himself has been injured like so whatever. But 
it's just even when he's been healthy and also like last year, just, yeah, I mean, he's not consistent. He's not, he's not bad. He's not a bad quarterback. He's not like, he's not in the Baker conversation. You know, for God's sake, like, it's not like that bad. Um, like he's still like the starter. There's no question that he should, you know, get a second contract, but does he deserve 40 million a year? I- I don't, that, that's the thing. That's what that's what it comes down to me. It's just like when you say he deserves another contract, it's like, yeah, if everything's created equal and you're giving him like, I don't know, like 25 million a year where it's like very affordable. Yeah, absolutely. Well, but that's not salary caps also going up by about, was it 20 million this upcoming year? And it's going to it's going to skyrocket over the next couple of years. So 40 million. It's a little misleading when you say 40 million a year. That's not going to mean the same in you know four or five years with the contract. Same thing happened with Dak Prescott. Four to five years, years. but like, do do we are we sure we want to sign Lamar to a five year contract? Yeah, I I mean, I think I probably when you're looking at like what else is out there, I guess maybe like there's no harm in saying, "Hey, Aaron Rodgers want to be a Baltimore Raven," and then he'll just say no, and then I would probably sign Lamar Jackson because it's really hard to find a good quarterback. Yeah, I just think his his highs are his highs are just so high and he's so so explosive that I would I would probably stick with him. You know, I think this year was weird. I mean, the Ravens were spattered with injuries. He but, was dealing with some injuries. And, you know, I, you, we've seen him win an MVP and not just be, a, you know, a great runner. He was a great passer that year, too. And the second half of last year, he was a great passer. Well, and the first half of this year, he was a great passer. Here's the thing, though. We're talking about a guy who, like, yeah, yeah, it's been weird. And, like, obviously, they've had injuries, especially amongst their offensive line. We're talking about like this has been the best receiving group he's had in his career. Like Mark How Andrews. How many games did he play with Bateman? Um, I, 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 two or three. Even even sure. with, let's just say let's throw Bateman out. That doesn't even matter because okay. we're talking about Marquise Brown, who Marquise Brown has established himself as one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. Not like a top ten receiver by any stretch of the imagination, but he's like I think fifty yards away from a thousand yards right now. And if he didn't have to play a game with if he didn't have to, like, switch quarterbacks in the midst of the season, he might already be there. Uh, Mark Andrews, he's over a thousand yards. He's broke the he's broke the receiving record for the Ravens of all players in Ravens history, not just receivers, but I mean, not just tight ends, receivers. He, like his receiving core has developed to the point where it's not like it's not it's no longer a weakness. It is actually like relatively to the rest of the NFL, a pretty good strength. And yet he's still not there as a passer. Like his, the rest of his team has progressed in terms of like it's separation, it's receiving. He hasn't caught up. And that's very, very concerning for me. And I get what you're saying when it comes to like, look at the rest of the NFL, like what else is out there? It's like, I get it. I get it. I just, I just think, I think good is what well, what's the what's the phrase like settling for good gets in the way of being great is that the phrase I don't know I mean I it might not it might be much better phrase I'm thinking of but let's just I'll just coin that being good settling for good gets in the way of being great and Lamar Jackson's a very good quarterback but I'm just worried for the Ravens where if you give him that 40 to $50 million contract, you're kind of just settling for first round exit after first round exit. Well, the playoffs, you know, the NFL playoffs are very high level of variability. Anything can happen once you punch your ticket. You say that 
Con, Jackson Con, was sit- playing at his high. Probably oh, better than his entire career, except 2011. He won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. You know, I mean, you can get far in the playoffs with a with a, a good quarterback. And by the way, you can get far in the playoffs. I mean, Case Keenum made the uh, NFC Championship game with the Vikings. It's not but, impossible. It's not impossible, it's, but it's, it's not the best strategy. How many quarterbacks? No, it's about have... punching your ticket. If you can consistently get, it's to the not playoffs, about punching your ticket. It's that's not about punching. What, your that's what you want. It's not about punching your you ticket. Want your to put you in. Literally, constant. if you're using the Eagles no. as a fucking case study, they had every single thing in the world go perfectly right for them to get to the to the Super Bowl. Like it's not. You don't want to just roll into the season with Nick Foles and just cross your fucking fingers. Like that's not. That's not what you want to do because like we, we, we say all you want to do is punch your ticket. But yet, like, like over the past 20 years, Brady has seven of the fucking Super Bowls. Like Ben Roethlisberger has two Super Bowls. Eli Manning has two. OK, you want to take one of them out as he was bad quarterback in 2007? Fine. Give him the one where he was an elite quarterback in 2011. Give Aaron Rodgers his Super Bowl. Let's give Drew Brees his Super Bowl. Let's give Peyton Manning his Super Bowl. Like, where you can go so on and so forth of elite quarterbacks over the past 20 years, where for the most part and throughout history, where we're talking about Terry Bradshaw at the time won four Super Bowls and he was an elite quarterback in his decade. Uh, talking about Joe Montana, who won four Super Bowls, he was an elite quarterback. Troy Aikman, for whatever the fuck that, that's worth, three Super Bowls. Like, John Elway, two Super Bowls. Like, throughout history, most of the Super Bowls that have been won have been won by elite quarterbacks in their generation. And yes, there are going to be the cases where you have a Nick Foles win it. There's going to be times where you have a Peyton lesser last year where he was Trent the Dilfer, you're going to have a Brad Johnson, you're going to have a Peyton yeah. Manning in 2015. But that's like four out of fuck how many 50 fucking Super Bowls? Like Yeah. And and also like the the funny thing is about those guys too. None of them made $40, $50 million a year. And you say you want to punch your ticket. It's a lot harder to punch your ticket consistently when your guy is making elite money when he's not elite. If you have a Nick Foles or a guy on his rookie contract who's making like $10 million or $5 million, then the rest of your roster can then elevate him. Like Trent Dilfer having a Super Bowl title is because that Ravens defense was the best thing we've ever seen. Like, or Peyton Manning was also one of the best defenses we've ever seen. We also saw Joe Flacco with, you know, the Ravens win as well. But Joe Flacco I, but played at an elite level in the playoffs. Joe Flacco playoffs, was very, very good. He beat the Patriots. Well, Lamar Jackson can be an elite quarterback for four games. We've seen him well, be an elite quarterback for an entire well, season. But the thing is, too, Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl, but he was also on his rookie contract. And his entire surrounding, because of the fact he wasn't making elite money, not yet at least, because he did get paid a lot of money, and they never got back to the Super Bowl again. And so a lot the of that same thing is happening with Aaron Rodgers right now. And you know, we'll see what happens this year. But I, I think if you look at the past thirty years, wait, what? What do you? What do you mean the same things happening with Aaron Rodgers? He won a he won a Super Bowl on his rookie contract, and he hasn't been back to the Super Bowl since then. If you look at the past thirty years, most teams that win the Super Bowl win it with a quarterback on a rookie contract. So the I guess what you're saying then is you should really never sign anyone unless they're tom brady to something no rookie no because the past because because the only sample that we have of like the rookie contract like the scale is like a decade this is a new nfl because like 15 years ago a rookie contract like eli manning was like as soon as he signed his contract he was one of the top 10 most expensive quarterbacks where that's not the case anymore 
Like Joe Flacco, he had a very cheap contract because he was at the back end of the first round and he couldn't negotiate a very high contract. But now that we're in the NFL where the past 10 years, you're talking about, yeah, it's either you have an elite quarterback that you assign where Brady, uh, Mahomes, which I guess you can't really count Mahomes because he didn't have his uh, have his salary yet. But you have Brady, who's won four times in the past decade. You have Peyton, who took a shit ton of that rule is really Brady at this point. I mean, that's not that's not true. Peyton Manning won it in in 2015 when he was not a very good quarterback. But he still took up a shit ton of salary cap, didn't he? He did. And what I was going to say is it doesn't the money doesn't matter. It's the percentage of it does matter. No. So the the, the number isn't really important. It's the percentage of the salary cap. So over the next. The, Four years, the number the salary the number makes up the go percent. Up by about 30 35 million dollars maybe maybe more than that i think what connor's saying is like for like 40 million dollars this year sounds like a lot but in five years it might it'll be cheap percentage wise yeah and and but, maybe compared but to but what your, other quarterbacks are getting because they're going to okay, be getting but, more, they set the market and it's going to keep going up so the longer you put off signing him the more you're going to paying him for the same quarterback but if he's not yeah. if he's not an elite quarterback, then you're just paying for him for nothing. And even if it rises, it's like, okay, it's rising, but what's the like he's still gonna be very, very expensive. He's still making a high percentage of your salary cap. What he's making if he makes forty million dollars this year, it might be expensive now and it's gonna be less expensive in three years. That doesn't make it just not expensive anymore. It's just not right. expensive relative. No, yeah, relative, and there are things you can do to play with the cap to make it less of a hit. And, you know, the Cowboys did that. It's, Prescott, the Chiefs did it with Mahomes. So I, I guess what you're saying is, do you think the Cowboys should have signed Dak Prescott? Because Dak Prescott, I love Dak Prescott. You know, he's my favorite player in the Cowboys. Probably not an elite quarterback. They gave him a lot of money. Like, I, like I said, like I said in the off season, I said there is definitely an argument to not paying him. What is the alternative then? You just let him go to another team and you just go back to the drawing board? You just like you, hope you, you luck out and find an elite quarterback in like 20 years? No, you, no, God, no, no. You, you, it doesn't have to be 20 years before you find a quarterback. Just a lot of teams they put, they, they draft scared and they just don't like searching for a quarterback. It is a hard position. They don't like losing. They don't like not going to the playoffs. And it's, it's a hard de- position to develop as well. I mean, look at some of the franchises that have struggled to find quarterbacks, like the Jets. You know, the Browns before, I mean, outside of Carson Palmer, that, you know, a couple of years, the Bengals, it's really but, yeah, hard but, to find a good quarterback. You could be in that also, wilderness for 20 years. Yeah, but you look at those teams and a lot of, there's been also been a lot of teams that like, like the Jets, who instead of trying to draft somebody, they settle for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like also, they, they Jack, we can't, we can't use dysfunctional front offices as like a, that's also you know, a good point. Yeah, it's like the Browns have been just consistently dysfunctional, and they just don't. It's a bad process that's getting you these results, not just because you. It's hard to find a quarterback, which it is hard to find a quarterback. But you pair that with the Browns front office being a fucking catastrophe since they became the Browns, like in you know whatever the nineties. It's just that's not a necessarily a good case study. Now, yeah, I I don't know. In terms but, of. In terms of Dak, if the Cowboys weren't going to sign Dak, what they should have done was franchise tag him and trade him for a shit ton of draft picks that would make it easier to move up in a draft to find a guy. And, I mean, I'm glad they signed Dak Prescott. You know, if they didn't I'm not, have Dak I'm not saying you should. You know, they would probably be, you know, right around where Washington is behind the Eagles, looking up at the Eagles. 
They probably wouldn't be in the playoff picture for at least the next couple of years. And then you're just crossing your fingers, hoping you eventually find the guy. I think if you get a franchise quarterback, someone who can put you in competition to get to the playoffs, to punch that ticket, where you you have a shot. When you're in the playoffs, you have a chance. Okay, okay but Con, Con, think about this. And you, have Say to they... give them, you have to at least give them a chance. I, that, that's, that's how I look at it because, I mean, how not? it's not just how hard is it to find a quarterback. How hard is it to find a quarterback better than a Dak Prescott or a Lamar Jackson, who, while not elite, they're top, you know, top, certainly top 12, 13 players in but, the league. But the problem is it's not it's not them. It's their contract that they're going to be making and are making. Once you sign a guy who's not worth it and is making such a large percentage of the cap, even though in like two, three years, it might not look as expensive because the cap's going up. You're still talking about an exponential increase in percentage of the cap that isn't even close to the percentage of a rookie contract. So if Lamar Jackson's making $40 million next year in two years or $50 million, whatever the market is at this point, you're talking about a guy who's taking up such a substantial part of your cap to where it's going to be harder to build around and it's going to be harder for him to even play like an elite quarterback or play like a good quarterback. Not saying they shouldn't do it because Dak, Dak, I said there's an argument for it. I personally would have signed Dak. And Cowboys, I think, were right to do do so. I just think that there was definitely an argument as to why maybe they shouldn't have. And you're saying that, like, yeah, like you trade him away, and like you just hope that hope that you hit on the guy. You like the Cowboys situation with C.D. Lamb, with Amari Cooper, with the offensive line that they have. Like you say, a lot of what quarterbacking is is a situation around them. If you trade Dak and you get those picks, and you trade up to like let's say third overall, and they have Justin Fields. Who the fuck knows what Justin Fields looks like right now? So this was I mean, this was as advertised. At least, obviously, we haven't seen it yet. An all-time quarterback class. Let's say that they they franchise tagged him for another year, and they're heading into this draft. Who are you picking at this point for the Cowboys? Are you going to you know, roll the dice? On no, you franchise tag him. And you, tra- or, you franchise. You know, Matt wait, wait, no, no. I'm saying you franchise tag him last year and trade him after you franchise him. So he, so they would have drafted. You wouldn't, get, you wouldn't have even given him a franchise tag for this season. No, because then you would be franchising him. What that would be the third year in a row, and that would take up so much more of your cap. A lot of money, but it wouldn't be like a long term thing. I just, yeah, but so I it's... think your fan base would also revolt, and I think you would see a lot. Who of gives a cap. fuck? That's the thing. I mean, that, it's a business. A it's fuck? a business. It's a business. They, sh- I mean, ideally, they would just focus on trying to win football, but. It's, at the end of the day, it's also a business, and you're trying to draw people to the crowd. You're trying to sell jerseys, and Dak Prescott is one of the most popular players in the NFL. They, and you're going to give the that Cowboys away, plus having a good a quarterback who's going to keep you relevant to maybe you know enter a lottery where, oh, maybe in you know, five, ten years we can get a guy. Question, question. Do the Jaguars make money? I, I, I do not know. Yes, they make they make they make hundreds Compared of millions. Compared to the Cowboys, years. it's probably peanuts. No, but the Cowboys also they have what like a century of a fan like century long fan base compared to the Jaguars being around for like twenty years and never having any success ever. When you're the Cowboys and you have five Super Bowls, you can trade away Dak Prescott and you'll be just fine. You're not going to lose any fans. You're not. They're still going to sell out. Maybe you are some the fans Dallas Cowboys. You don't think Dak Prescott's a draw for like at all for the Cowboys? Because I mean, he's he's so easy to root for. He's a great guy, and obviously, he's did, a very good quarterback. Did 
did the Cowboys not did the Cowboys ever not sell out when Andy Dalton was playing last year? That's a good question. I don't know. Sure they, they did not. Sell, I'm sure they did sell out, but I'm sure the, like the ratings for the games and the viewership. is. But that's money for the NFL. That's not money for the Cowboys. Well, the Cowboys also probably have. I assume they get revenue sharing from that. Like if they get, they get, yeah, as do all teams, which is why the Jaguars still make a shit ton of money, even though they put out a bad product every year. Your product does not make any, your product does not necessarily make you make you lose money. You can make more by being good, but in this process, if they did trade away Dak Prescott and searching for another quarterback, you will get you will get people lock in on that rookie quarterback and say that is our future. We're going to move on with him, and we're going to get jerseys of. Justin Fields in this example. Like fans are gonna buy jerseys no matter what. Talking about last year's draft class where you had Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, who are, you know, since high school they've been like big name players and like people know who they are and like probably watched them in the college football playoffs, then sure, you know, you could you could sell Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. But like most drafts aren't like that. Like this year's draft, he got you know, again, Matt Corral or, you know, Kenny Pickett or. And then next yeah. and then next year they got Bryce Young and CJ, CJ Stroud, like and every other year. They're they're in a position to get one of those two guys. Obviously, if they say, oh, we're going to have the number one pick or number two pick that year. Then I think I'm saying that's why instead of like, for, let's just say, for example, the Ravens, if they wanted to do this, say so Lamar next year, they have Lamar for a fifth year, right? You. Have Lamar play that year out, which is the next year. This draft is already played out. You have Lamar play next year. You franchise him. And if he doesn't have, like, a solid year, you trade him on the franchise. You get first-round picks, and you you trade up for a C.J. Stroud or a Bryce Young. You that's use the draft said, picks that you got from Lamar. That's easier said than done. I don't know who's trading out of being able to get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. I don't, I don't see a team saying, oh, here's this amazing, you know, once in a the decade, Eagle, the, the Eagles just decided to trade back from getting Justin Fields this year. They did, and a lot of teams. Miami uh, Dolphins know, did as well. A lot of teams overlooked Justin Fields. Who's to say they don't do the same with I mean, Jalen Hurts has played well this year, but if you're relying on a franchise just like looking past a very, very, very talented quarterback to have like a bank, your mic's going out. Okay. So uh, can you hear me better now? Yeah. Yeah, I said, uh, yeah. So if you're if you're expecting another team to kind of make a mistake or to, you know, overlook and, and, and pass over, you know, a very talented prospect at the quarterback position in order to have your franchise have success, I don't think that's a great strategy. But we've that's, not an expe- that's not an expectation. That's Yeah, we can move on, but yeah. that's not an expectation. That's saying, okay, we're going to give you three first-round picks. If you're not sure of this guy, even if you like him, three first-round picks might be enough to entice you. Maybe, but I don't know like if you're sure of Stroud and Young right now. But, of course, we'll see how they play. If you, We thought that Justin Fields is going to be the number two draft pick this past year, Con. Don't. Weird things happen. I agree. Yeah, that, that is true. Yeah, let's go to the next topic. All right. Well, we uh, it was a little bit of a tangent, um, but we kind of already talked about Baker. I mean, we can talk about like what we think. Like, I guess let's just talk about not like obviously we, we don't want him for the next ten years because he's kind of proven like he's a very limited quarterback. But what do the Browns do? Because 
my opinion is this offseason, there's so many teams that like need a quarterback or are looking to get a quarterback. I mean, you got the Panthers, you got, you know, maybe the Seahawks. If, if Russell Wilson leaves, I mean, you have just so many. I mean, I get, I guess the Giants said they weren't looking for one, but there's just, you know, the Steelers, you have the Broncos, you have so many that are looking for a quarterback. And there's only so many solutions. Not every single team can get Aaron Rodgers. Not every single team can get Russell Wilson. Um, not every single team can get Deshaun Watson. And like we were talking about, the draft is very limited. So there's not enough, you know, there's too many mouths to feed and not enough quarterbacks. So it's like, I don't know if this is the year that the Browns, you know, throw in the towel, like not throw in the towel, but like throw their hats in the ring for a quarterback. So, you know, I think, I think the contract extension is definitely off the table for Baker, at least in my eyes. But I mean, I don't think they move on from him this off season. I think this is his next year is going to be his fifth year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you play that out and then hope that he has maybe a decent year and then you trade him on like hope, you know, because like even Sam Darnold got a, got a second round pick in return and he was fucking awful. You know, I don't know what kind of idiot organization would make that deal, but someone did. And so Baker, I mean, I don't, if you can get second, if you can get a second round pick for Sam Darnold, I mean, what can you get for Baker? You know, maybe you, you get the, yeah. you can get like, well, maybe Baker will be better in a different situation or, you know, cause that, that was the whole Darnold thing. Like, you know, we've seen him have some high end play. So maybe you get teams chasing that rookie year we saw from Baker. Um, who knows? Or last I year. think, I think, yeah, yeah, right. Or the end of last year. So, you know, you, you have, you have proof there or evidence that he, he can be good. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know what team would do that, but I hope maybe the Browns see that and do make that move. Uh, maybe, you know, not this off season, but maybe, maybe the next and just put your hats in the ring for, you know, a Bryce young or, or whoever um, comes up. Cause you will have another one probably next, next season too. I think, I think they need to go all in on Russell Wilson. Because he is legitimately like, like this is the absolute perfect environment for him. They would immediately upgrade him in the offensive line department. Uh, they do need some receivers, but yet again, like he has gone years of like, like where uh, his best receivers like Doug Baldwin, which granted Doug Baldwin is very, very good, but around him was like his second best receiver was like Javon Curse. Uh, like, like we're we're talking about a guy who's made the most out of his receiving depth for the most part. And uh and him giving him an offensive line, a a system in which he has he's played in that system before pretty much. We're talking about a rollout play action heavy scheme in which they're very run heavy. Uh he's basically played in a system similar to that his entire career, except this will be, I'm sure Kevin Stefanski will open it up more for uh, Russell Wilson, just like he's tried to do with Baker Mayfield, but it just hasn't worked out. And he would thrive there. I, I and for for Seattle, it's perfect. You trade him outside the conference, and you recoup a lot of those draft picks that you lost. The Jamal Adams trade, fucking buttfuckery of a trade. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then you trade then you trade Baker Mayfield in a separate trade and you get a, you recoup maybe a late first. Yeah. The only thing I'd say about that is I mean, doesn't Russell Wilson have a, a no trade option? He does. He does. But I feel like why? he wouldn't be opposed going to Cleveland. No, but I he did just say he hopes he remains in Seattle. And I think if he left, I think he'd buy one of the big sit. Maybe that is bullshit. Um but bullshit. He's he's not gonna openly say I wanna no, leave he, my he, team. No. Some yeah, he, he definitely would not say that. Um, but the second part is isn't part of the reason he wants to get out of Seattle is to go to like a bigger city with a bigger market. So you know, you know, for, I guess just in general. And the issue is that. is that the issue is like who who is going to be trading for him? That's going to be in a big market like L.A. Both both spots are taken in L.A. Like Matthew Stafford, they're not going to they're not That's just going to trade away Matthew Stafford. You don't think the the Raiders nope. have any chance of moving on from Derek Carr? In Vegas. I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe, but the issue is, is just like, the, are they? I guess the Giants with Daniel Jones. I don't know how. The giant. The Giants are the only like realistic option of like a big market actually going for him to where maybe he'd say yes. Even Miami like, is, is, I think, still potentially an option as well. So I think there's a Miami in, in bigger markets that might make a play. Would you consider Miami a big market team? I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't Miami's know. A, Miami's a pretty big city, and it's certainly a bigger like city in, than Cleveland. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like for football, I feel like it's different. I don't know why. Because when I think like, like Miami Heat, like yeah, that's a that's a big market team. But when I think of like football, I don't know why. Like unless like I feel like they care much more about college football than they do the Dolphins. So like they don't even I mean, give a fuck about the Dolphins. It's kind of the idea of like Green Bay versus L.A. I mean, like Green Bay is yeah. a tiny ass fucking town, but as far as like the market, like Green Bay's yeah. market is pretty fucking huge compared to like L.A. who doesn't really give a fuck about football. Yeah. So. Um. If the, the, the term football, football market doesn't don't directly correlate to population. Yeah. No, I think if they got Russell Wilson, I think you would see a lot a lot more people with Dolphins jerseys, I would imagine. Yeah. Because yeah, they were no, big, you know, fair. at one point when they had Dan Marino, they were big. It's just that franchise. Oh, no. I, I think they're two of Watson or bust there. I don't think they're going to trade for Russell. I don't think they're going to try and trade for Rodgers. I think they're, they're two of potential rapists or bust. Uh, but move on. Uh, let's talk about real quick, just TJ Watt and what we think his chances are of winning a defensive player of the year. He's now at 21 and a half sacks in 14 games and two of those games he left early. So we're really talking about like 13 total games is 21 and a half sacks. That's one away from Michael Strahan's record, 22 and a half. Is and there like, he played all 17 games? He, he would have broken it probably, probably. And he still has yeah, a chance he, to, right? If he is, if, if he plays yeah. this week, yeah, so. he he's he's probably going to play this week, and he's like, if I had to guess, he'll get it. Is there any argument for any other player this year, other than like, obviously, like you can say like Aaron Donald, I guess, because of the pass rush win rate and like the triple team cut, but like we're talking about like a broken record of like sacks. Like, I don't know if there's any argument that can really top. The TJ Watt argument. Yeah, I mean, at this juncture. Yeah, probably not. Uh, Micah Parsons did have a pretty good game against the Cardinals. He had two tackles for a loss, five total tackles, and a QB hit, a couple pressures. But you know, 
because he's going to win that. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, T.J. Watt had a pretty good day too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sacks. I was watching that. I was watching that game for uh, fantasy implications. Yeah, tough game to watch. Uh, T.J. Watt definitely deserves it at this point. You know, maybe Aaron Donald would, would be in that conversation as well as he deserves it. I think Michael Parsons he deserves like an honorable mention because he's had an amazing season and probably one of the best rookie seasons from a defensive player in NFL history. Uh, <laughs> you know, and he's also a cowboy, so that always helps your chances of winning an award, especially when they're playing well. If oh the Steelers gosh, don't the make the playoffs, shut I think that hurts PJ Watts' chances a little bit. I mean, it shouldn't, but it probably will dampen it a little bit. I think you guys would probably agree, especially if he doesn't end up getting the sack record, which. You know, if he gets a sack record, just, you know, don't even have a vote. I honestly don't think it matters for defensive player of the year. For MVP, it would be different. But if you don't make the playoffs for defensive player of the year, I don't think it matters. Like, if Micah Parsons didn't make the playoffs and he had the best defensive play, or, like, had, like, close to the season as Watt, Micah Parsons would probably win it because, like, for one, he's a Dallas Cowboy. And two, like, I mean, he's an incredible player. But, like, yeah. not making the playoffs, I don't think, makes a difference for defensive player of the year. I think it does a little bit just... For, for some voters, I think they still kind of value, like, they want the defensive player of the year to be, you know, a factor in the postseason. I can't recall the past couple of defensive players of the year and whether they made the playoffs or not. But, you know, I feel like every time Aaron Donald's won it, he's been in the playoffs. Um, I'm trying to think about past couple of seasons who's won it and if they were in the playoffs. Well, Stephon Gilmore was one of them, uh, and they were in the playoffs, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I don't remember either, but... Um, Probably a and, high percentage, I would guess. But you know, I, I, it's TJ Watts' award at this point. You yeah. know, he's, he's going to get it. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. I, th- I think you're right. Like, well, typically, like the the well, I guess well, I guess we can wrap this up. But uh, I was going to say, like, yeah, if Micah Parsons had a similar year, not even just because he's a cowboy, but like the fact that he was a rookie too, also kind of like boost a little like people want to see like a rookie come in and dominate like he did um and that's fun and he was he was very splashy that's for sure like definitely made like huge plays not just like quietly racking up sacks like tj watt is amazing and i it's just i had no reason to watch the steelers and so therefore didn't even know he had this many sacks to be honest because like every single steelers game has just been abysmal to watch but like he's been very very good obviously but yeah, that 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 would be the only argument for a different player, and why the playoffs might factor in because more t- more people are watching a playoff team versus some guy on a shitty team racking up sacks that no one's watching. So, but yeah, um, all right. Well, as always, thank you guys for listening. Um, you know, we had a pretty good talk today about young quarterbacks and the process there. So, um, hopefully, you guys enjoyed that and. We will be back uh, later this week to give you our perfect and never wrong picks. And hopefully we can wrap up the season above 500. Knock on wood. Um, That was Chris knocking. All right, boys. Yes. All right. Peace out. Peace.